Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. We're going to conclude our study of the book of James today. Uh, If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We're going to uh, start with verse 13. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You may be seated. As we look to conclude our study in the book of James, once again, James has challenged us since chapter 1. He's challenged his readers to be doers and not hearers only. He's challenged his readers to make sure that their faith produces action, that if you have a genuine saving faith, it will produce service to others. He's challenged us to not esteem others greater than those uh, other that sit with us or beside us, those who are in positions of authority or who are wealthy. We're not to esteem them greater than, than the poor in our society. He's challenged us to tell us that we're not to be part of this world. And, and he tells us that humility is the cure for worldliness and, being sorrowful for our sin and confessing our sin. He's challenged us in every way. And this week, he's going to challenge us about prayer and supporting one another. He says in verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Now you know, can tell a lot about someone who is a Christian based on how they respond when they're in trouble, but also how they respond when everything is going good. You can tell one who knows Christ as Lord and Savior based on how they respond when they're facing trials and tribulations, and then also when they're in the midst of blessing. 
you and I must check ourselves as we read verse 13 and ask ourselves, what is our first response when we face trouble? Prayer should be an integral part of our lives as believers. For how can we know God if we never speak to him? How can we know God if we never talk to him? How can we know God if we never spend time with him? And if you and I know God and spend time with God and our relationship with God is developing, then when we face trouble, our first prayer will be to him. We will not try to seek to resolve it on our own. We will not strive for answers outside of God. We will not strive for answers in this world, but we will seek God first. Yes. Call upon his name first. If you are suffering, James says, let him pray. That's where it starts. Whether you're sick in body, whether you're mentally suffering, whether you're emotionally suffering, whether you're dealing with uh, 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 problems in your family, problems on your job, regardless of the trouble that you are facing and however you're suffering, whether it's persecution, the place to start is prayer. Now God may lead you to put other resources in your life to help you, but it still starts with calling upon him. Too many times we run everywhere else for our answers and we do not run to God. And then after we've exhausted all the other avenues and they have provided no answer to us, then we might call upon God. And we do so reluctantly in anger and bitterness because we've exhausted all of these things and we're still not better. Our circumstance is still terrible. Our problems are still there. Seek God first. Secondly, James says, if you are cheerful, then let him sing songs or songs. Meaning, if you are cheerful, if everything is going good in your life, if everything is going right, you're in a season of, it, of, of everything working out and there's peace and there's joy, sing praises to God. But what do we do many times as believers? When everything is going good, we forget God. Right? We don't tell him thank you. We don't worship him. We don't glorify him. We don't honor him. We don't show appreciation. What we do is, we, everything's going great, so God gets put on the back burner. So when things are going well in our lives, we are still to be in prayer, communing with him, and worshiping him, and honoring him. So we have two very different scenarios, someone who is suffering and someone who is not, but the answer is the same, talk to God. We are instructed to honor God, to talk to him and seek him first, regardless of if everything is going wrong or everything is going right. We have too many ungrateful Christians sitting in our seats today. 
who are not grateful for what God has already done, or they forget God whenever things are going great. And it's reflected because when we forget God when things are going great, when things go wrong, we are calling upon other sources instead of him. He then says, is anyone among you sick? Now that word sick means sickly in health. It also means weak. So weak in strength, the, the, the word translated sick there. So it's talking about being sick in body, but also being weak in body. Remember last week we were looking at the persecution and persevering in spite of persecution and what these the, the readers were facing. And this is a continuation to say that if you are weak, if you are sick, if you are weak, that you need help. And you are not meant to suffer alone. What does it say? Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you. You and I are not meant to suffer alone. We call upon God and then we can also call upon our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And they are there to uplift us, to pray for us, and to pray with us. We are a body for a reason. We are dependent upon one another, and we are to uplift one another, serve one another, pray for one another. If you are not praying for your brother and sister in Christ, there's a problem with you and your relationship with God. Amen. Right? If we're not praying for each other, praying for other brothers and sisters in Christ, then something is terribly wrong. Right. Amen. And any person who is sick in body weak in body, suffering, whether it's physically or mentally, that's what this is talking about. Amen. You do not need to suffer alone, and the body should be so loving that they don't feel like they have to suffer alone. Many times, Christians suffer alone because other Christians are so unwelcoming and judgmental. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. We are worried that they're going to judge us for what we consider to be weakness and suffering, and so therefore, we will not seek their help and support. I am guilty of that, 100%, right? And that stems from obviously, from inside of us, and a sense of how are they gonna see us and how are they gonna perceive us, but as a body, we have a job as their brothers and sisters in Christ to love them so much that they can get over that, that sense of shame yeah. and guilt yes. and fear yes. and approach us anyways. Yes. Right? Yep. My mom, there was things that I didn't like to want to share with her that I was going through or, or whatever the case may be. But because she loved me so much, I would share with her and ask her to pray for things that maybe I was embarrassed of growing up as a teenager. And even to this day, you know, there have been times where I have felt weak and I have been afraid and I've been facing anxiety or whatever the case may be. And I have allowed that weakness to show in front of her, right in front, in front of my wife. But why? I know they're not going to judge me. 
They love me. They care about me. They're going to pray for me. They're not going to relegate me to the center's corner. Right. Amen. They're not going to judge me for getting help. Right. That's how it should be for all believers in Christ. Amen. We each should be able to go to someone who is a fellow believer, fellow believer in Christ and a brother or sister and talk to them and get encouragement. James says, get the elders of the church together and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this is where we get us, us Pentecostals, we slather oil on everything. <laughs> right? A little bit of oil goes a long way, right? Smacking you on the head with it, dropping it on your head, touching body parts, right? It's been kind of taken uh, out of context, right? But if you look in the book of Mark, I believe it's chapter 14, verse 2, I think. But in the book of Mark, um, Jesus, it, it says that the disciples anointed the sick with oil and they were healed. Now, those who believe that the gifts have ceased will tell you that in James here, what James is talking about is anointing your wounds with medical oil, right? So if you look at the John MacArthur's, you look at some of the those who believe that, that God doesn't heal anymore and that God doesn't perform miracles anymore and God doesn't do those things anymore, they'll tell you that James is talking about medicinal medicines. However, if you look at what the disciples did, right? They anointed with oil and the people were healed. The oil didn't heal them. God healed them. Yeah. But it's what the oil represented, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit providing that healing touch. Amen. Right? So that's why we anoint with oil. Not because we think the oil does anything, but because of what the oil represents. And that's what we do. Believing that if we anoint with oil, that God will heal. Amen. Now it says here, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Well, guess what? Yes, the prayer of faith is powerful to heal the sick and those who are suffering. But you have to put this in context with the rest of scripture. See, we like to grab on the pieces of scripture that we love and enjoy but we don't take them in context with the rest of Scripture. What did Jesus say? If you ask anything in my name, if you ask according to the will of who? The Father. It will be given to you. God does not heal unless it's his will. He doesn't heal physically. And he does not heal you from suffering unless it is his will. Why? Because in trials and suffering is where Christians are proved. In sickness of body and in weakness, it's where we are proved. The Bible says that that tribulation, those trials produce patience and perseverance, and then that produces hope, produces character, right? It produces and changes us to make us battle-ready and more like Christ. Amen. Yeah. Right? And if God healed everybody, no one would ever die. Amen. Yeah. 
So clearly, it can't mean everyone who is anointed with oil and the elders pray over are going to be healed. Right? At least healed in the way that we expect that healing to happen. But it does say if you pray according to God's will, he will heal. Heal. And he will give us strength. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And also, if you look at it from the perspective of weakness, God promises us that if we are weak and struggling, that he's there with us and he will uphold us and give us the strength that we need to make it through. Yeah. We may not be removed from the situation. We may not have the feelings or the emotions removed instantly. But we have the promise from God that he is the fragment sticking closer than a brother mm -hmm. and that he will stand and walk next to us to ensure that we are strong enough to make it through. Amen. Psalm 23, one of the best psalms of the Bible. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We will go through the valley of the shadow of death, but you do not have to go alone. You go with your father. Yes. yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Right? So if you're struggling, get help. Get someone to pray for you and with you. Yes. And then trust that God will get you through it. And listen, a lot of times what happens, again, in Pentecostal churches and in services, is that people come forward to be anointed or they come forward to be prayed with, and they are prayed for, and they experience a moment of relief and peace and comfort and joy. Mm -hmm. And then the pastor or all those who have prayed, the evangelists, those are very popular, you know, doing their revivals. Once they're done... They don't think about that person again. Mm -hmm. Amen. But you and I, when someone comes to us to ask us to pray with them and for them, it's not just about that moment in time. Amen. Right? You want that person to also be praying for you when they're not with you. Amen. So many times we are not seeing people break through and really be delivered and healed because when they asked for help, the people they asked for help for prayed in a moment but did not continue to pray for them once they were out of their presence. Amen. It's not just about a moment in time. It's about a relationship with the person, a relationship with God, caring for that person, and praying for them and interceding on their behalf even when they're not right in front of you. Right? Yes. That person who comes and seeks help needs to know that they're going to be prayed for by you and you are going to pray with them even when they are not there. Amen. Right? Yes. And that is how the people who are suffering, that is how in the prayer of faith, it will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Amen. You come, you get help, the elders pray, you pray with them, you encourage them, and you continue 
to pray for them and encourage them. Amen. Your responsibility, listen, oh, this is good. Your responsibility does not end at the altar. Amen. That's right. Wow. Our responsibility for other brothers and sisters in Christ does not end at the altar. And too many times it ends at the altar. We simply do not care once the emotions have passed away. Come on. That's good. <clears throat> yes, yes. And that's why people walk out the doors and are in, in a day, an hour, two days, a week later, they're exactly the same. The enemy comes right back attack, attacks, right? Because not only did they leave the altar, but we forgot about them when they walked away. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You notice in verse 16, before you could pray for someone or with someone, confess your trespasses to one another. Now look, I ain't all about sharing with just anybody my trespasses. But accountability is important in the body of Christ. Amen. And in the early church, they were accountable to each other. Mm -hmm. So if you had sin that was permeating your life, something you struggled with habitually, you would get accountability. You would confess your sins one to another and pray together. Yes. You got to get sin out of the way first before you pray. Confess first, then pray. Sin's got to be out of the way. You cannot live like there is not a God all week long and then expect that you can just pray and seek him on Sunday mornings. Or whenever you run into a problem, you call on his name, you must first confess. The Bible says in Galatians that our God is not mocked. That whatever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap the spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. So God isn't mocked. You cannot sin and then call upon him. You must first confess your sins and then you can pray like you would normally pray. Right? Confess our sins, make ourselves accountable to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. That you may be forgiven. Yes. Your job, if someone comes to you and they called you as an accountability partner, is not to prayer request their problems and their sin to somebody else. Amen. When someone comes to you and shares with you and entrusts you with their pain and their hurt and what they're struggling with, it stays with you, between you, them, and God. You cannot be a blabbermouth and be an accountability partner. Amen. You've got to be able to keep your mouth shut, no matter how many people ask you what's going on. We need that person in our life that we can be honest and real and open with. They can see who we really are. 
know what we struggle with mentally and in, in sin and not judge us and love us and know that it stays with them. It stops right there. Yep. Right? We all need that person yeah. in our lives. So uh, confess to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The prayer of faith will make it to God's ears. The prayer of faith from a righteous heart, someone who is not separated from God by sin, will be heard by God, and God will take it into account. How do we know that? Because Elijah was a man just like me and you. It says he had a nature like ours. That means Elijah was just like me and you. Mm -hmm. He put his pants one on one leg at a time. Mm -hmm. Just like me and you. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Elijah prayed with faith, according to the will of God, and God answered his prayer. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. You guys know the story probably, right? Mm -hmm. When uh, uh, Ahab and his wife Jezebel were out of control and they were worshiping Baal and Asherah and God, uh, they were killing the prophets of God, and they were awful human beings. And so Elijah prayed and stopped the rain for three years and six months. Mm -hmm. What James is saying is, is that Elijah didn't have a connection to God that you don't have. Right. He's saying Elijah didn't have something that you don't have in terms of his relationship with God. He was a man with a nature just like yours and mine. Yet when he prayed, the fervent prayer of because he was righteous in a right relationship with God, mm -hmm. God heard his prayer and he answered and it did not rain. And even it goes on to say, and then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Mm -hmm. That is hope for all of us. That no matter what the world thinks about you, and no matter how the world sees you, no matter what the devil whispers in your ear, that if you are righteous before God and right relationship with him, when you pray, God hears you, and he will answer your prayer. Amen. Yes. If you pray in faith, and then you are in a right relationship with him, he hears you, Amen. and he will answer Elijah was just like you and me. Now, we, I love why James says that, because what happened to Elijah? Did he die? No, Elijah got carried up in heaven by a chariot of fire. Elijah was a prophet that did amazing things. He called down fire from heaven. Notice they didn't use that as the example. What example did he use? He said, he prayed that it would not rain. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yep. His 
was he was just like me and you. Verse 19, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns the sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. If we see a brother and sister in Christ who is wavering, who is struggling, who even maybe walks away from the truth, we have a responsibility as Christians to not forget about them. Right? We have a responsibility to pray for them and even to seek them out and minister to them. Why? Because when you do so, you are saving a soul from death. Now, let me tell you something. God sometimes, according to the book of 1 Corinthians, when you and I are living in sin as Christians, he'll punish you with death. Okay? We don't like to talk about that very much. Right? But do you remember in the book of 1 Corinthians when they were taking of the Lord's Supper and they were partying and they were not, they were doing so in, with sin in their hearts and they were being rebellious to God? And what was happening? They were getting sick and dying. Because of their sin and their disrespect for God. So when you and I reach out to someone who has turned their back on the truth and is running from God, we are saving them from death, maybe physical death, but what are we also saving them from? Spiritual death. Being lost without God forever. And when you and I seek that brother and sister out and then they turn back to him, all of their sins, it covers a multitude of sins. God will forgive all of their sins. And you have saved a brother or sister from death. So when someone walks away, we are not supposed to forget about them. But it's very easy for us to forget about people who leave our sphere of influence. We may be concerned with them for a moment in time, maybe even a day or two or weeks or months, but as time continues to accumulate and move forward, they're uh, replaced with other things, right? But James tells us, hey, remember the, what, the, what we're fighting for, right? Remember what this is all about. What it is ultimately all about is salvation. That's, that's what it ultimately is about, is seeing someone saved from eternity in hell. Amen. Yes. Amen. Right? So we can't just forget about the one who strays or the one, the sinner who has never trusted. We have to pray and seek them out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Amen. Yes. Amen. Let us think.
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.